listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Happy Sunday, everyone! How are you doing? Yung mga ilan sa inyo, okay, di ba? <laughs> How are you doing? Are you, are you good? Init sa labas? <laughs> Quick question before we, we enter into the Word. I mean, I'm Jay, one of the pastors here. And how many years you're still working from home? Raise your hand. Look around you. Tami pa. Wow. How many here, you get to go to the office nowadays? Wow. How many of you are glad we are on church this Sunday? Come on. Why don't we praise God for that? Even those of you who are at home, we get to do this together. And um, there's just so much to say about the series that we are having for the past. Um, this is the fourth week of the series. And we entitled this series, Tayo. And for some of us, Tayo, Tayo. Um, and, and it could be both, right? And we have been talking about how the book of Haggai uh, speaks on how we as a community are called to stand together and build this nation because of who God is. And I, I've said this, um, one of the hottest days, you know, seasons of our lives. I, I got this this morning. This is the heat index yesterday, 5 p.m. The highest is 53. Grabe, no? I think that's, uh, what's that? Kabanatuan, if I'm not mistaken. What's that? Pangasinan. Uh, there you go. Um, hottest. And here in the Metro Manila, it's not as hot. Believe me, it's not as hot compared to that. But it's really hot. And there are things in our, you know, life that we cannot not do something about it. Like when, when we experience something, hindi pwedeng wala tayong gagawin. It's, it's like this, right? When it's really hot, we cannot not do anything. Experience this? You turn on the electric fan, the aircon, may fan ka pa. <laughs> you cannot not do. Okay? Hindi pwedeng wala kang gagawin because it's so hot. And in, in, in the same manner, I think about it, and there are events, things in our nation, our lives that we cannot not do anything about. Like, we need to do something, in short. That we are compelled to in view of that experience. I think about Ukraine and Russia. If you're a person right here and you believe in Jesus, we cannot not do anything, right? You need to be praying, right? You need to be believing for the best. If you live in this country, the Philippines, we see the many things that's surrounding us. Alert level 3 in Ta'al. We can't not do anything. We can't stand and just, okay na yan. We're compelled in view of these things, the things that surround us, to do something. And in the same manner, I look at the story of Haggai, if you have been joining us. God saw His people, and I think that's what He was feeling. I cannot stand on the side and not do something. Need to do something. And He sends His prophet, so that that prophet would speak and would respond to Him. So as we turn to the last part of this series, and uh, if you haven't been joining us for the past few weeks, it's okay. I'm going to review um, the whole book of Haggai. It's just two pages in a Bible like this. It's really short, but there's so much that we could glean that would compel us to do this. 
to come together and build this nation for the glory of God. That being said, tayo tayo. Let's all stand up and open our Bibles to Haggai. The book of Haggai is, if you're using a physical Bible, it's before Zechariah, after Zephaniah. Really short book. Pero ngayon, you just use the digital Bibles. I also have them here. We're gonna, and as we read it, what I hope that the Holy Spirit would do for us this afternoon and to our hearts is that it would reveal to us the heart of God that would compel us to do something. That we don't just stand beside what's happening around us. That we be a people, if you are a Christian, that would respond to God's call. And if you're not, not a believer in Jesus, na bisita ka lang dito, I, I hope and pray that you would respond to this Jesus as well. So, Haggai chapter 2, we're gonna read verses 20 to 23. Let's read it. Haggai chapter 2, verse 20 to 23. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the thrones, the throne of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shaltiel, declares the Lord, and make you a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Lord, as we come together as a community of faith, we come to you acknowledging that we cannot do anything apart from you. And Lord, today, I pray that your words so be so powerful that it would pierce through every single heart that is in this room and even online. I pray, Lord God, that your glory, your goodness, your grace would compel us to respond in worship. Lord, I pray for a miracle, for places in this world that's experiencing brokenness, for people in Taal, for people in Ukraine, for people who's experiencing brokenness in their homes. I pray that your word would comfort. I pray your word would challenge. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Let me take your seat. The book of Haggai. If you are like me, the prophets, the prophetic books, are the hardest to place in terms of timeline. Right? you grew up in church and you know Moses, you know Abraham, you know Adam and Eve, you know Noah. Pag pinag-usapan na yung Habakkuk, huh? <laughs> Obadiah, saan yun? Haggai is one of those books. It's difficult to place it in the story. It's hard to think about um, what's happening here. That's why um, whenever we study it, I, I invite uh, people to just, just think about it and, and reflect because I believe it's important that we know the story to understand what's being said in the Bible. So, I'm going to quickly journey us through some of the things that we need to know as we read um, the book of Haggai and then jump right into things. Because I believe that the book of Haggai, one of the biggest claims in this book, and 
the biggest claim of this preaching is that God is king. That no matter what they are seeing, no matter how they are feeling, even if they don't believe it, nor they don't feel it, God is still king. I believe that's the thrust of the whole book. In fact, when we read uh, the first line of the book of Haggai, everybody read, on the first day of the sixth month of King Darius, second year, the Lord spoke this message through the prophet Haggai. So what's interesting about the book of Haggai is that you can place it in history because there's dates. This is in our modern day, August 29, 520. We can know because there are dates. So if you think about the story, it goes like this very quickly and hopefully it frames how we will study it. Uh, around 609, this people of Israel, they have been disobeying God. By 609, they were exiled to Babylon. Can you say Babylon? Babylon. So Babylon is this powerful country who exiled them. The promise of God is after 70 years, they'll be back into their place. They're their homes. So exile means being pushed away out of your kingdom. So after 70 years, which is around 538, Cyrus, the king of Persia, so now from Babylon, the world power becomes Persia. Then Persia says, King Cyrus says, you can now go back 70 years after. God is faithful. So 70 years, they come, came back and then around 537, as they come back in Ezra and Nehemiah, you can read this, they started rebuilding, rebuilding the community. They started building the altar, reinstituting the, the rituals, and people are starting to go back to the Lord. Exciting things, right? <laughs> but somewhere along the way, they stopped. Now, we do not know exactly what happened. But we just know that these people started not building the, temp the temple. And then they started prioritizing their own houses. And only up to 17 years later, God says, Teka, I cannot not do anything, right? I need to intervene. These people are doing their own stuff in their own turfs. And God had to send someone. So he sent someone named Haggai on August uh, 29, 520. And that's what we read here. So what, what we read is that um, the Lord who rules over all, this is the NET, the New English Translation. I like it and I, I love to highlight some of the parts here. These people have said, um, the time for rebuilding the Lord's temple has not yet come. So the Lord spoke through the prophet Haggai as follows. Is it right for you to, rich, um, to live in richly paneled houses while my temple is in ruin? So the first thing that Haggai addresses is this. If God is king then He is king over our priorities, right? That's the first week of this series. That, that we talked about that if, if God is really king, if Yahweh is really king, our priorities are ruled over by this God. Do you agree with that? Right? Right? And, and, then, and then, here's the thing. Because God is the God of priorities, they responded, started rebuilding the temple, and the temple came back again. And then God spoke again after around a month. So started August, around October, He started speaking to them again. On the 21st day of the seventh month, that's around um, 
August 17, 5.20. What's God telling them? He's saying, as they build the temple, He asks them, who among you survivors saw the former splendor of the temple? Because some of them saw the first temple that they built. Now they're rebuilding a new temple and it's not as good as the first temple. So some of them are frustrated. Have you ever experienced frustration? When, when you expected something, but you get something that's really far away from your, what you expected. It's like expecting, go, you know, you expect a really good vacation and you planned and you booked the tickets, the hotel. You were so excited. You filed for your leaves. Na approved na. Tapos na COVID. But God is saying, if God is king, He's not only king over our priorities, He's also king over our frustrations. That even if you don't get what you feel like you deserve, God is still God. So that's, that's the second week, right? Remember this. And again, if you weren't with us, you can watch the service online. It's just wonderful to reflect on that. And then, last week, if you were here, God spoke again. And now, this is two months after the second. So this is around December. Haggai spoke again to the people. On the 24th, God spoke again to the people. On the 24th day of the ninth month of the Darius second year, the Lord spoke again to the prophet Haggai and he says this, The Lord who rules over all says, Ask the priest about the law. And he was asking if you have this meat inside your, your pocket, inside your uh, shirt, would it become unclean? So essentially, this is about purity. Remember this? Last week, Pastor Bodhi? Right? No, okay. A few of you, right? But he was saying that if God is king over our priorities, it's not only that, he's also a king over our frustrations. He's still king over our purity. And that he is the one who makes us holy, not ourselves. And that's this beautiful sermon last week and we just love it. So now we're diving towards the last part of this text. This happens to be the same day, all, uh, December, what's that date again? December 18, 520. Same day as this thing. He's about to speak again to Haggai and the people, specifically to Zerubbabel, and he's gonna close this book. But something I want you to take away from the past few weeks is this. And in fact, this is the one point of this sermon. If you're gonna take away anything, makatulog na kayo along the way. <laughs> At least, nagising tuloy yung iba. Okay lang, right? Uh, this is the only one point. And then, from here, we're gonna think about three questions that relate to this one main point. This one main point of the book of Haggai and I believe the sermon. That God is king over all things, ultimately. Yes, that sounds redundant. I intentionally put that because I want to emphasize a point. That He's not just king over our priorities, frustration, in our purity, He's king above and beyond all things. And if He is king, we are to think about how does that shape the way we respond to Him. If God is really God, if God is really says who He is, he, he is who He says He is in the Bible, then there's something that we are called to do. We cannot not do anything, right? Because there's something so powerful, so unique 
about this God. So, the word of the Lord came a second time on Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth. The word of the Lord. See, if there's one thing that you should notice in the book of Haggai, whenever we read it, is that everything in this book is moved by God speaking. All actions, all decisions, all even the minute details of this work is based upon God. The starting point is God speaking. From the first chapter, remember? The word of the Lord came to Haggai in the year of King Darius. Second chapter, the word of the Lord came to the hand. The word of the Lord. All throughout this text, and I believe all throughout the scripture, there's a compelling call to heed the word of the Lord. To respond to the word of the Lord. That if, again, there are three questions. What's the main point? Again, God is king over all things, ultimately. But if he is that, if he is God, he is king over all things, ultimately, then there's something about his word that we are to listen to, right? Now, we know this because um, we have authority in our life that no matter how, you know, how noisy it is, we still hear their voice. I mean, I remember I grew up with my grandmother in Batangas, and whenever we play outside, right? I mean, kids do that during that time. And even from afar, when she starts doing this, psst, we can hear it. <laughs> Our ears are attuned <laughs> to knowing that she's done with her shesta. Her voice. Her voice. Cuts through all the noise. <laughs> and we respond right away. Why? Because not only is she authority, she loves us and we love her. The people of God, in this time, they have gone through so many things. They've gone through the attacks of Assyria, of Babylon, now of Persia. And God is saying, listen to my word. Even if there are a lot of noise around you. Because if, first question, God is king over all things ultimately, shouldn't we be taking his word seriously? Right? If God really is the king of all things ultimately, then shouldn't we be taking his word seriously? That this Bible is not just a good suggestion? That coming to church and listening to sermon is not just a ritual? That what Christianity means is actually responding to the king? Because if he's really king, then we should be listening, right? Now, if you're a Christian in this place, this is really, I hope and pray this is something that would cut through a lot of things in our lives. We are facing some of the most you know, weird times, right? That there are far too many voices from our social media, from our Instagram, 
our, our brains are so attuned to some of these noises, right? Di pa na contento yung YouTube sa ano eh, long format, right? Now they have reels, shorter, for our short attention span. <laughs> our Instagram accounts, the stories, the highlights. We're attuned, we're attracted by the voices of the world. And sometimes, I don't know about you, after watching and viewing the stories, the reels, the YouTube, the everything, don't you get tired? Ako lang yun. Like after, like, man, this is tiring. The constant pressure of all these noises in the Word of God invites us to see and realize, hey, would you listen? That if He is King truly, He is King over our priorities, our frustrations, our purity, and the Word of God guides us towards it. And let me say this. We have been saying, tayo, tayo, this community are to, to start pursuing God so that God in His glorious goodness would, would rebuild this nation. The starting point of that is the Word of God. Starting point of that is the Word of God. It's knowing who we are in Christ. Friends, we live in such fragmented world. People are hating on each other every single day. If we start taking the Word of God seriously, this means loving even the enemy. <laughs> Can we just love the lovable? Can we just love those who are okay? <laughs> but we're called to love our enemies? Now, this does not mean, this does not mean to approve of things that the world is doing that's wrong, Right? It's not saying that sin is okay because we love our enemies. No, no, no. Because in fact, if God is God and we are to take His word seriously, we are to stand against all forms of lies, all forms of sin, or to stand against it. Yet at the same time, we're called to heed it in, in view of our work, our loving one another, and everything in between. So, as Haggai closes the book, he reminds us that the word of the Lord comes again, like in many times of this scripture. And we are to listen to it. So, let's see how it proceeds. The word of the Lord came a second time, as he said, and he's speaking to Zerubbabel. And he says, I am about to shake what? The heavens and the earth. It's about to shake it. And again, if you have been with us the second week, um, Haggai chapter 2 also talks about this, the shaking of the heavens and the earth. What does this mean, Pastor Jay? Um, why is God talking about shaking the heavens and the earth? He gives the reason, right? He shakes, he's gonna shake the heavens and the earth. Why? And to what? Overthrow the thrones of kingdoms. I am about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms. And overthrow the chariots and their riders and their horses and their riders. They shall go down everyone by the sword of his brother. Now, what does this have to do with nation building? What does this have to do with us as the present day? I mean, really. Now, first thing to think about is this. When was the last time in the Bible, if you are reading the Bible, if you're fond of the Bible, um, when was the last time you remember talks about chariots and horses and riders and God defeating them. 
Exodus, right? Remember Exodus? And all the non-Bible people, it's okay, okay? Don't panic, it's okay, not everybody's, you know. Uh, Exodus is a story when, when this, this, this chariots and riders of the Pharaoh guy was following them, right? And we need to remember this. I mean, in our modern day, we don't appreciate that much. Horses, riders, but in that day, riders, horses, and chariots signified the world power. It signified a very insurmountable enemy. And God said, I'm going to shake them. They're not going to win. You imagine the fear of the Israelites while they were walking on dry land and the enemies were right behind them and God just closed it. God is using the same language and reminding these people through Haggai, I've done this before. I've been over all things. I am about to destroy the strength of these kingdoms. I am about to overthrow these chariots and these riders. See, not only if God is the king of all things, ultimately, not only do we need to take his word seriously, we also are to think about this. Shouldn't we believe, if God is king over all things ultimately, shouldn't we believe that nothing is beyond his power and authority? That if he is who he says he is, no power in this world, no authority in this world, no politician in this world is above Jesus. No sickness, no suffering is above Jesus. No sin, no guilt is above Jesus. If he is who he says he is, I believe that. If he is king over all things ultimately, shouldn't we believe this? That he's beyond all power and authority in this world. Now, if you aren't a Christian right here, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this. From the bottom of my heart, I really believe that God is king over all things. And in fact, I hope as you listen to this, if, if you um, are a visitor in this church, I, I hope and pray that you would realize that there's no other power that is beyond God himself. The mere fact that you are here right now, I believe, is a testimony to that power. Now, if you are a Christian, like me, among you, sometimes, or maybe a lot of times for me, sometimes we live like God is not king. Ako lang, ako lang. Yeah, right? I see someone there, yeah. Sometimes you feel like, God, paano na to? Ayaw na. <laughs> I thought you were king, but why is this happening? And in many ways, you look at the story of Haggai and the story of the people of Israel, there were many times that they could have felt like, God, I thought you were king. How could you have allowed Babylon to exile us 70 years? How could you have allowed another kingdom, Persia, to now take the role and then now they're sending us back to our kingdom? Why is the land the way it is? Maybe you're not in control. Have you ever questioned God? Because if you have, you're in good company. Because a lot of people in the Bible who loves God, who God loves, they also question God. 
Psalm 13. I, don't, I won't go here. Just write it down. Read it. Psalm 13 says, How long, O Lord? <laughs> Reklamo. Psalm 88. Just go there. Read it. It ends with these words. My friend, my only friend is darkness. Grabe yun. Have you ever felt that way? Wala na akong kaibigan, Lord. Kadilima na lang. Wow. Feeling distraught and heavy and broken in this world is not bad at all. But here's the thing. The Bible invites us through the words of Haggai, particularly right now, that while the enemy seems to be winning, God is still king. That while your boss seems to be winning because he's doing all manner of wrong things, God is still king. While there are things in this world right now, child prostitution, pornography, tax problems, while a lot of things are feeling as if, God, are you still really king? Father reminds us, no, 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 wait. I'm gonna shake the nations. I'm gonna remove the powers that be because I'm still king. Would we trust Him? Would we believe that the suffering that we go through today is not nothing? Whether you are in the season of suffering or not. Would you believe that if you trust the Lord, God can redeem you and guard you and hold your future? Would you believe that your future is not on the hands of one man in this lifetime. It's in God's. Would you believe that even if that person left you, God is still God? Because if He can shake the heavens and the earth, He can do something about our finances, right? If He can shake the heavens and the earth, He can do something about this country, right? If He can shake the heavens and the earth, God can do something about our lives today, right? Would we believe Him? Would we trust Him? See, this world is full of suffering and if we don't acknowledge that, we're, we're far from reality. I love how Timothy Keller, really good thinker, says it about Christianity. He says, Christianity teaches that contrafatalism, suffering is overwhelming. While fatalism says, hindi, okay lang yan. Suffering is just okay. No, Christianity says, it is overwhelming. It is hard to live this life. Contra-Buddhism, while Buddhism says that suffering is just an illusion, we all suffer, we just go through it. No, it's real according to Christianity. Contra-Karma, people who believe in karma, right? That karma says this, whatever suffering you're going through, you deserve it, right? But the Bible says, and the word says, it, sometimes it's unfair. Have you ever felt this? You ever suffered because of something that you did not do? Right? But the Bible, says, and it, the Bible confirms that, that suffering is sometimes unfair. Contra-secularism. Secularism is the belief that, you know, maybe God is not real anyway. It's the modern day. We don't need God. And therefore, all suffering is just nothing. But the Bible says, suffering is purposeful. 
I love this. There is purpose to it. And if faced rightly, it can drive us like a nail deep into the love of God and into more stability and spiritual power than you can imagine. That if God is king over all things ultimately, would we believe that no amount of power in this world could surpass Him and that we can trust Him? The last few verses of this. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. So, a few things that I love to highlight here. Now, you've seen this, um, if you noticed uh, the NET, love the NET version, because there's just a lot that we could learn from it. Um, the Lord of hosts is a very interesting phrase in the Bible. Um, it's used in Haggai around 14 times. Some translate it, the NLT, for example, translated as the Lord of, uh, I think, heavens or the Lord of spirits. I'm not sure, but um, something about angels and, and the, the, the otherworldly things. The ESV obviously translates it as Lord of hosts. The New English translation, the NET, translated as Lord over all things. This term reflects how God transcends every rulership in this world. And he says, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, and I will make you a signet ring. He's closing the whole book of Haggai with this. And we are to ask, why? <laughs> What's a signet ring, right? What does this mean? It starts, this section starts with Lord of hosts and with Lord of hosts. What does this mean for us, right? I mean, any good Bible reader should be asking, so, what is a signet ring and what does God taking Zerubbabel to be a signet ring have to do with us? First, maybe we could ask, what's a signet ring? This is an example of a signet ring. This is one um, found fairly recently. I want to Maybe I'll butcher the name of this, but uh, I'll try my best. Elihana Batgael. That's um, what's written in here. That's Old Hebrew. And then the function of signet rings in the earlier days was this. It was their way of signing documents in clay. So they'd take this ring, so you can't see the hole, but they, and, and they would press it on almost always either wax or clay, and they, it would remind people that that thing, that contract or whatever, is sealed by the authority, the person. And whenever they see that, they treat that and say, wow, that's signed by, for example, Richard. Right? So, si Richard sinayin yan. So, lahat ng authority ni Richard is signified in that signet ring. That whenever we see a signet ring, we're reminded that the image of the person who owns it is born in that signet ring. So, God will take Zerubbabel as his signet ring. God will do this, says the Lord of hosts. What does that have to do with us? In fact, Doron Ben Ami says this of the signet ring. The signet ring of a ruler or official was a symbol of his authority. In antiquity, they are... 
they designate identity, genealogy, and the status of the owner of the seal. That whenever we they put it on a document or a place, people would say, ah, that is owned. That place, that tablet, that thing has the authority of, quote-unquote, that person. When we look at, sorry, oh yeah, I'm going to go back there later. When we look at the story of Zerubbabel, you have to think about who this person is. Because the hope is as if that Zerubbabel is going to be the authority of, of sort of this kingdom that would topple over all other kingdoms. And if you think about it, the rest of the history goes and Zerubbabel seemingly, because what will happen is that the Persians would remain and then after Persians, the Greeks would come. The Greeks would take the kingdom. And then after the Greeks, the Romans would come. Nasa na yung king that would shake the heavens. Thousands of years after, we see this in Matthew. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of who? Shealtiel. And Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, our character. And then if you read this through, verse 16 says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom what? Who? Jesus was born. was called the Messiah, the Christ. God's promise is that through Zerubbabel, the king would come, the one who would topple all other kingdoms. And true to his promise, Jesus came. And whilst everybody was waiting for him to shake the heavens and the earth, to wage war against the Romans, what did he do? He lived a life of love, healed, preached. And through love, compassion, the gospel and his power transformed the world the way we know it today. He turned the world upside down the only way he knows, through love and grace. So yes, he fulfilled this promise through a very counterintuitive thing. So I'm going to go back and ask this question. So if God is king over all things ultimately, I've said this, shouldn't we taking God's word seriously? Shouldn't we believing that God is, has power and authority over all things? And also, shouldn't we believe that Jesus is our only hope today unto eternity? No other hope in this lifetime. No other thing can rule us the way God intends to. Here's the thing. We're talking about tayo and, you know, tayo and as a nation. It's the Word of God. It's the authority of God. It's Jesus that we should be uniting around. See, unity is empty if it's not based on the truth of God. Because we could, we could you know, hold the banner of unity always, right? But if we do not unite under Jesus, all other things, what's that for? And, and my prayer is this. As we think about this very, very deeply, it's not just about this election. Remember this. This election will pass. 
We've gone through so many elections. God is still king. That has not changed. And that will never change. This is not This does not mean that we shouldn't care about election. This does not mean that we shouldn't participate. In fact, we should. But I pray that the distress of this season does not distract us from the reason and the work of Christ. Distress is so distracting. I hope and pray that as we gather around the Word, we are reminded we are to take this Word seriously. We are to... Trust His power and authority over all things. We are to gather around Jesus and trust Him. He's our only hope. I'm much afraid that as we think about where we are, um, there's, there's so many things that we could say and, and, and miss out on what God is doing. In the book of Revelation, the shaking is shown. Now, I could go geek out on Revelation. If you know me, I could go on and on with this. But I'm just going to show you how God fulfills it towards the end. He says, when he opened the seal, this is the Lamb. If you know this part of the Bible. But if you don't know, just just read this and you'll be amazed how thousands of years after, a man named John writes this and he just responds to how God has shown his truth. I looked and behold, there was a great what? Earthquake and the sun became black and the sackcloth and the full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell on the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit and shaken by the gale, shaken, shaking heavens. The sky vanished like a scroll being rolled up. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. Shaking heavens, shaking earth. Then the kings of the earth Remember the chariots, the warriors, the kings of the earth, the great ones, the generals, the rich, the powerful, everyone, slave and free. What did they do? They hid themselves in caves among the rocks, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne. And who's seated at the throne? The Lamb. Lamb of God who was slain, sits on the throne. For the great day of their wrath has come, who can stand? At the end of the day, when everything's closed, when all elections has been done, when all pain and suffering are we've gone through it, we will still see the Lamb of God seated on the throne. And He's still King. Jesus is this King. And as great a truth this is, this is nothing if we would not respond to it. I could go on and on and, and preach this sermon and teach you about Haggai and 509 and 5. All those are great. As wonderful as this truth, if God is king over all things, He's God ultimately. This is nothing if we would not respond. The last few minutes that you've sat on your, our chair, this, the last few minutes I've said these things, it's nothing if we would not go out to this world and radically love and radically serve. There's just so much fragmentation in this world. And, and sometimes there are two big problems that you know, arise from this. Either we become apathetic, we don't care at all. Okay, na yan. Bala na. Or, 
We become arrogant. Eh, kasi dapat ganito lang yun eh. Either we become so apathetic, we don't care at all, or we become arrogant. This is the only way it should happen. But if we recognize that God is King, the proper response is compassion, right? It's not apathy. It's not not caring. It's caring because this world is broken. We need to do something. If you are a follower of Jesus, we're called to do something. And, and also, if He is King, there's no arrogance in us. We're not the only ones that are right. We heed to His truth and we say, God, lead us to You. Make sense of all these things. This may mean for some of you that since God is king over all things ultimate, this may mean submission and dependence. Maybe you've run your life for far too long. You feel like, hey, I'm the boss of myself. I do me, you do you. Should it shouldn't be. But the Bible invites us, would you allow someone who knows better to run your life? Would you allow God to work through some of those parts of your life that you're not proud of? For some of us, this might mean just being fired up in zeal and boldness because we know who wins at the end. Among you like watching basketball? A few, right? Basketball, right? Do come on. Basketball, right? I, I do not watch full games anymore. I just watch highlights. <laughs> highlights na lang kasi haba ng game. Eh. Tayo seven minutes lang. Highlights. Oftentimes when I watch highlights, I've already seen the scorecard. You know this experience? You've seen the scorecard already. You know, for example, oh, panalo pala sila Lebron. Minsan. And then, uh, wag masaktan. Okay lang yun. Okay. But you still watch the game, right? And then towards the game, you realize, ay, grabe, matatalo na sila. But you know the ending, right? You know the scorecard. And sometimes I feel like when we go through this life, there are things that happen. We know the scorecard. God wins at the end. You read Revelation, diba? He will shake it. He will still be king. But sometimes while we are moving along, it feels like we're losing. We know who wins at the end. God does. Would we trust Him? Would we obey Him? Would we listen to Him? So draw to a close. I pray this, really, the most personal way I could. That God would work something in our hearts today, right now. Um, on a personal level, maybe it is a sin that you have been so holding on to for the longest time. Or maybe the mere fact that you don't want God to drive everything in your life. Or maybe you've been going to church and attending and listening, but for some reason, for some reason, there's this part of your life, there's this relationship. Trust me, I've gone through that. There's this sin that you love so much you don't want to let go. And maybe God is calling you, hey, I'm king. Would you surrender that to me? 
Because you know, this God, He is not just a king in a sense that He is ruling. He's a king in the sense that He loves us so much that He lived, He died, and rose again for all of us. Since God is king over all things, therefore we take His word seriously. We trust His power and authority. And we receive His love through Christ. Totally. Like embrace it. God wants you. Really. God wants us to really experience Him and His love today. Would you surrender to this King? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.